Hey there, I'm Nikki Milne, high school dropout, next hairdresser and salon owner turned PR and marketing expert and founder of the Peth Collective PR Agency. The Passion to Profit podcast is a conversational business podcast with a focus on marketing and PR to help business owners scale successfully, acquire more customers, increase your profits and become that desired go-to brand in your industry. So open your notepad on your phone, get out your pens and paper. You don't want to miss any of the following tips, tricks, and strategies that you're about to experience on the Passion to Profit podcast. Let's get started. Welcome to the Passion to Profit podcast, Jenny. I am so delighted to have you here. We have been longtime friends. I'm a huge admirer of your business and I'm so incredibly proud of what you have achieved in the last five to six years I've known you. It has been such an incredible journey and I just can't wait to share with everyone, you know, your story, how you are here before us with this huge Instagram following, but just you know, your manner and how beautiful you are as a person. I think you really touch people. So, you know, welcome and thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much, Nikki. Um, Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. It's my first podcast. Wow. (laughs) I've done a few talks here and there in the the community about my story, but this is great because I get to share a bit more in depth about the story of where I've come from, from the beginning, and hopefully it will resonate with a lot of people listening. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I want to dive into today. Who is Jenny? What led Jenny on this path? And how did she end up being one of the globe's most followed Instagram cake decorators? And just how you do it to juggle your life with your kids. So do you want to just take us back at how you started your love? Yeah. Look, if you asked me like 10 years ago, if I'd be doing what I'm doing today, I would have just laughed and thought, oh my gosh, what are you on, Nikki? <laughs> um, I was, I started off as a very ambitious girl with um, high hopes of travel and corporate life. And I studied marketing at, uh, at Curtin. I had a marketing and Asian studies degree. Um, I was very I think I was always creative, but I didn't realize in what way at that point. So I thought marketing would be a, a really great degree for me to sort of go into possibly like um, the advertising route. I loved advertisements and you know commercials and things like this that really I used to collect all these magazines, you know, the Coca-Cola ads like back in the day. I wish I had them still because they would be so, um, so classic now. But I used to um, think that I would be creative through business and so I went down um, I did marketing degree and luckily luckily enough at that time when I was um, doing the degree I was waitressing at this Korean restaurant in Perth and um, because I'm bilingual actually trilingual because I was doing Japanese at that time one of my clients one of my guests who came to eat at the restaurant um, asked me what I was studying and I, I told them I was doing marketing and Korean background and and with Japanese and he basically pulled up a, a business card and this was one of the biggest mining companies in Perth or globally he gave me his marketing his his business card and said next year when you're ready to do vacation employment here's my card like come and work for us so that's one thing in Perth you never know who you're going to meet in a small town like this that can open doors for you in future. So always, that was my biggest lesson in life, always be um, pleasant and um, friendly to people that you don't know because you never know how that's going to change your life. Anyway, long story was I got into um, BHP, it was was the marketing company I got into. They employed me straight out of um, graduate position in marketing of all the places as well. So it was just perfect. And I got into business-to-business marketing at an early age. So my career started, um, ended up being like a 13-year career with BHP. I went to Singapore Marketing, Global Hub, um, was brand-new marketing hub then, and I travelled from Singapore to Netherlands multiple times, ended up living in Singapore for about 10 years in my first career Met my husband. Uh, he's a Frenchie all the way from northeast of France. Uh, met him in Singapore. Uh, we got married, had three children. And voila, we're back here in Perth because, um, yeah, raising three children overseas, I needed 
my parents and my, and my support network here in Perth and also for schooling. So I came back with three kids under the age of two because I had twins first up, which was a really lovely surprise. <laughs> and, yeah, brought them back here and, and basically found myself in Perth um, with my parents. Luckily they were here to help, but, you know, husband went to work every day. I was once a sort of ambitious career woman, now found, found myself at home 24-7 with three nappies to change. I think there was one year I was changing three kids' nappies mm-hmm. and bottles. It was just, it was quite horrendous. Three <laughs> under two, that says it all. <laughs> three under two, oh, my God. Oh, yeah, because, yeah, the twins were two and, and Juliet was um, six months, just over two and six months old when we first came back with the three. So that was really hectic. But in that chaos and in that moment of feeling absolutely lost and my purpose was just unfounded at that time, I didn't know what I was supposed to do. How could I ever go back to corporate life or nine-to-five office job, which I had known. I thought that was what I was meant to do. You know, I had got my degree. I had my experience. And Little did I know that I would be sort of bound to the house in vicinity of the kitchen, most very specifically, for about a period of two to three years where they were so dependent on me. And in that time, I I really lost myself as a person of what my older past life was, knowing how ambitious I used to be. And and I, I just lost my purpose, Nikki. And I think this is a story that so many women would share with me. It may not be, you know, vocalised all the time, but I had a lot of resentment in those years and I didn't know what was going to happen with my future. My husband had, the, you know, the job that I sort of thought I was going to have and yet here I am being the, the full-time carer of three children and he was supportive as, as he could be, but I just needed more. And I don't know, in that chaos and the mess and the sleeplessness, I started my baking journey, which always was with me, actually. I baked. It wasn't something I just decided I'd be overnight. Baking has always been a part of me since I was a young girl. I remember doing cheesecake recipes from the back of the Philadelphia packs, you know, like I was baking that when I was maybe 10 or something. They were great recipes, those ones. <laughs> yeah, they were. they're still good, aren't they? They're so awesome. And so baking has always been part of me deep down, but I never even fathomed that it could be something where I would put all of my energy into and then turn it into a small business. And now it's like a, people sort of tell me off when I say it's a small little baking business because it's now a bit more than that. But, you know, it all started from a point in my life where I needed an out. I needed to put all my energy and it was a a therapeutic thing for me where I shifted my energy into my baking business and during this at the same time simultaneously I was working at home with the children and keeping the house ready and feeding them and all that. So in a way. It was um, a business that started from a point of desperation for me. Yep. And I found it to be um, well matched in at my current state in life. So I was still able to do this business, um, getting regist- registration from the council. That was pretty easy easy enough for the, for the city of Canning. Um, they've been an amazing um, part of my business journey. Yeah, looking into having a baking business from home, it was sort of a uh, no-brainer. I could do it from home. I could still simultaneously manage the kids. And I started like that. I registered the business and started with basically zero followers, zero knowledge of the market, zero knowledge of clientele. But I knew my products. I knew my baking skills. And I love to do my baking and feeding people and and that's basically where it started from it was a very small passion then it just sparked (laughs) from there and I think that's it we met back in those very very early days and I think you know you touched on it then we're all in very similar situations I had given up my well given up I'd sold my previous business I was like you I was very lost you know it's an incredibly selfless thing to do when you become a parent 
um, and in particular a mother, that you actually give or walk away from your career because quite often it's not possible to juggle mm-hmm. raising of the children, especially when there's been that many in such a short time. <laughs> you know, I had two under two as well. And, yeah, it, it just was something that it wasn't an option. Someone had to selflessly step aside to raise the children. Um, and I think we know it's going to happen, but when it actually does happen, it is a shock to the system because we all think we're going to be that parent. We can juggle both and we can have our careers and we can have our children. Um, but reality is there are many nights you don't sleep. There's many nights that, you know, they just need you. So it is something we all grapple with and it is kind of a loss of self in many ways. So to find something that we're passionate about and I found, you know, helping business owners, that was something I was very passionate about, mm. newfound baking. I think ultimately that's, I know, what pulled me out of, in some words, it sounds terrible, but it was a depression or loss of self. But yes. actually, um, you know, I was very lost and my purpose was lost and yeah. I am their mother, but I am someone else as well to other people. And just finding yeah. that again was a really challenging thing. So I'm so glad you shared that and brought that up. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, we were fortunate that Instagram was starting to rise as we started our businesses. And mm. for both of us, it's been a huge platform that we've embraced, we've grown on, we've become known on. And so tell us about a little bit about that Instagram journey. You started putting up your baking, thinking yeah. you're probably just going to sell to WA people and <laughs> following, and we all know it's grown beyond that. Yeah. Well, thank God we met at the time because that was that was about six years ago, right? Yeah. In terms of um, this, I remember clearly because I registered my business in 2014, and then within that year, I started my first Instagram account, Posh Little Cakes. So, starting from zero to now, I've amassed about 200 and nearly 80,000 followers. Incredible. Um, was all an organic process, but Having said that, I was very lucky when I started um, at that time. I, I mean, I did have a marketing background, but social media was very quite new to everyone and I had no idea what it was. So I was quick to educate myself early on and I think you, your class, the Social Media 101 or was it Instagram 101? Yep. Anyway. Back in the day, yep. <laughs> yeah, back in the day, um, that class, I, ha- I was like, I need to learn and you amazingly came into my life at the right time and I registered myself to your class and I sat there and I took so many notes and one of the biggest things that I took away from your class was, um, you know, the strategies of hashtagging and um, photography and getting the content right. So with the foundational um, knowledge that I gained from your, your classes, I basically put that applied that straight away because it, it was some it was a free platform I had access to you know iPhone at that time and I've gone through several phones now but you know even the, the pictures that that iPhone took was good enough I quickly started a strategy of I guess it wasn't conscious but um, I separated basically my business account from my personal account first thing because so I wanted to make sure that my per, my business account was like a, a portfolio of all of my cakes. And at that time, it was the most perfect portfolio, visual portfolio of all of my cakes. It was like a menu to what I could design. Um, and at that point, I didn't even have a website. So this was pretty much all I had. Now, with that start at that time, I think the growth of Instagram followers was very unique in the initial stages. Um, there were also also a lot of you know, um, fake followers and, and bots that were doing behind the scenes work. But having said that, my um, growth in my Instagram page was purely due to my content creation. I mean, um, even though at that time I was probably only doing maybe three or four cakes a week, I now have, do about 15 to 20 orders a week. So in that one week, I have 20 pictures of beautiful, presented, pretty cakes to to share with the world so one thing is being a content creator in my area so every cake I create is a unique cake and I think that's where my content is not boring as such because every cake is a different cake I've never made the same cake exactly a replica of and it will never look the same because I have different flowers every week I might use a different shade of pink or I've come up with a new um, element of design that I can add. So 
it was an organic process of the content creation. So one, I have a lot of content. I have, I'm very lucky that I have food, pretty food as also the main content. That's a very marketable and very Instagrammable item to, um, um, to picture as well and post. I have a lot of now behind the scenes shots that I can do, whether it be um, technique or um, behind the scenes um, of my studio. Um, you know, I've really kept the business side of my personal Instagram quite separate because I think what people like to see is exactly why they're following is for the pretty pictures of my cakes or inspiration pictures or they just like to scroll through that. So. I think that is so true. And I think you've got quite a signature that stands apart. When you see a posh little cakes cake, you see it as a posh little cakes cake. You yeah. are very signature in your design, which I think has ultimately kept you unique and apart from others. We see a lot of these cakes that are replicated or someone will create it, then 5,000 other people will try and redo it. Yeah. You have definitely got a signature. And sure, since you know, you've evolved and you've become people there are people that have started to you know draw inspiration from your cakes yes. but there is nothing like I can see a posh little cakes cake a mile away and recognize so like nice. an artwork it is definitely an artwork what you do and to recognize it as your signature as well I think has definitely been a huge thing for your business that helps grow the Instagram and like you say I always say when we have food or hospitality clients it's relatively quite a smooth transition to grow an Instagram account because everyone loves food. Everyone can love yes. cake and everyone yes. loves admiring the skill that cake maker has. So what was a pivotal moment in your growth? What would you say to really change that path for you from going from being a marketing executive to, you know, moving forward? Would it have been that where he gave you that business card? I think the pivotal moment when I realised that this was something I could really make something out of was when um, in that journey from being in a corporate, in the corporate world and then having children, being taken out of the corporate world and then um, realising that I need to find another sort of avenue for purpose. I, my, my business was at that point, I felt it was more like a bridge at that time. I didn't know where it was going to take me. So this realization of pivoting all of my effort and energy into my business was only came maybe about three, two to three years later after I'd created Posh Little Cakes um, as a business. Um, and as with many people, I'm pretty sure you, you will also relate, but you're, the, you're, you're your biggest critic in life. And to turn that mindset around to really owning it and seeing the value in your work or what you produce, that did not come overnight. So I had so many people, you know, give me such good feedback and, and my clients always coming back and, and telling me how lovely the cakes were. And um, I guess it took me a, a longer time than I probably needed to to understand the value of what I'm doing. So the value of my artisanal product, the value of my craftsmanship of making beautiful looking cakes and my aesthetics and my design and, and my final touch. So they were all things that I knew I was doing right, but I didn't realise how well it was being received to my, you know, outside of myself. So when I finally realised, okay, wow, Jenny, I've got something really special here and people want to know, people want to know my story, people want more of my cakes and, and things like that. It, that shift came gradually, but once it did, I was full, fully on board and I accepted the fact that this is now my second career, right? So to sort of categorise it in that same um, category as my first career was a big moment in my life and that's probably where I changed a lot of how I approached the business, how I approached growth, how I approached, um, you know, expanding in the little steps that I have made over the years and reinvesting what I, what I earned in my previous years to then, you know, getting staff, putting it into a new studio, um, you know, doing the online courses, for example, I invested money, you know, thanks to, 
the coaching you gave me. Um, so all those little steps of expansion was me realizing, yes, there's going to be value in this afterwards. Let's go for it, Jenny. So yeah, and yeah. I think that's it. It was um, probably like for many of us, it was an ultimate moment of respecting ourselves that you have created something and yeah. this is your opportunity. You've got to jump in and grab it with both hands because it yeah. might not come again. Yes. Go back to working for the man, as they say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is your opportunity to have freedom and flexibility in your business to be there for your children, but also earn an income. And sometimes yeah. our income surpasses what you would have earned in your previous yeah. career. So I think, you know, that's such an important moment as well to talk about because, you know, that realisation that this is not just a little hobby or something that's just, mm. like you say, a bridging career. This is serious and I can establish a really credible business that turns profit and gives me freedom and flexibility to be where I want to be and do what I want to do. So I think I think that's a really positive thing that um, when you get to that point, you'll know it as a business yes. owner and you need to embrace it, own it and respect that that's where you've got to. So what does Posh Little Cakes, what makes it unique? What are the finishing touches and elements that you feel you add that no one else does that helps you stand apart from so many other businesses in the very saturated um, industry of cake decorating? Gosh, this is, yeah, that's a really funny question because you never think of yourself as um, having such a style or I never thought that I had such an aesthetic that people would recognize like you just mentioned so that's really nice to hear always um that was quite an organic process again um you know when you're starting out as a baker you also don't know what your style will be mine evolved over the years and if you go back to my very first post I mean I don't delete a lot of my posts so you if you go back to my very first post mind you there's going to be over maybe 4,000 pictures, <laughs> yes. but you will see how my design has evolved. But I think one of the most critical points was when um, we were on a holiday in France. My in-laws all live in France, so we all took the kids there and we were having a holiday. And my husband doesn't live in Paris, of all the places. It's in a little country town in the northeast of France. And I went there and we normally stay for a couple of weeks, but I thought, you know, this time I want to I want to go and learn at a French bakery, a French patisserie in Paris, English speaking, of course, um, how to make macarons. In France, you've got to learn how to make macarons. Um, first of all, you have to learn how to say it properly. It's not macaroons, it's macaron. <laughs> so, <laughs> I get turned off for that all the time. <laughs> So I'm trying to also educate all my clients that um, I make macarons. And then um, I just remember one day I just said to my husband when I was there, you know what, you look after the kids, mother-in-law's there, they're going to love being looked after, but I want to go to Paris. Um, it's got, it takes you takes an hour and a half by speed train and I was going to book a ticket there, enroll in a French uh, macaron class, English-speaking chefs teaching, and I was like, yes, this is what I'm going to do while I'm here on this trip. Um, at that time, I think my husband was a little bit hesitant to, like, be left solely alone with the kids, and I think that morning he went down to his local bakery to get croissants, as a good French man does, gets <laughs> croissants for the family for breakfast, and he came back after, like, half an hour, and he said, I've got you a macaron class at the French bakery that I go to. And if if you know anything about French families, every person in the household goes to a different baker to get oh. their croissant. It's so funny. His dad goes to one that he knows and mum goes to a different one and David has his one that he always goes to. So he went and found him and that morning I think the baker just came out with like 300 macarons stacked on a tray ready to sell at the bakery that morning and he's like oh my gosh can my wife come and learn how to make these macarons with you and um normally in that region of France nobody speaks English which is why I was thinking of going to Paris and um the the baker was like in perfect English well he said it in French but yeah he goes I I, I normally teach in uh, in London and in Nice um, I'm a teacher anyway, so, yeah, she can come next Tuesday at 12 o'clock. That's when I make my macarons for the week. So he scored me a, an absolute masterclass, one-on-one masterclass with the local baker, um, 
And I basically went there with like the biggest eager eyes and ears. I had my notepad ready and I was, a, and I think um, I was too shy to ask if I could record. So I was just scribbling notes and I was watching him in the, in his com- little commercial bakery. I think it was just like 10 square meters. It was the tiniest little pokey hole in the wall bakery. He was pumping out all these croissants and amazing pastries. And um, he was, I was watching him make, the, the macarons there he showed me I was writing everything down down to the timing of the setting of the beta and how long it was beating for the temperature everything I was just absorbing it like a sponge because I knew this was like the first and last time ever or with this kind of experience um, and I basically walked away that day knowing now I have to perfect these macarons in my home kitchen in Perth again different oven different humidity, different ingredients. It took me maybe about six months to figure out the right recipe. I, so I learned the technique and the recipe from him, the baker. I came to, to Australia, back to Perth, and I did a lot of trial and error. So my first few batches, they were all scrappable. They just did not work um, because it's a, it was from a commercial oven to a home oven. The settings are all different, the, amp, the, the temperature's all different. So I really had to work hard to getting that right. But ultimately, I nailed it. I figured out the recipe that works in Perth conditions in a domestic <laughs> oven. And I was like, bingo. And pretty much now, every cake that goes out from Postural Cakes will have my homemade macarons on there. And I think that's one of the signature differences you'll see. Um, because one, it's an expensive product. It's expensive to buy from other bakers to then put it onto your cake. So there's cost element. I make all my macarons in-house. I can make them any color, shape, size. And, and so it's it's been a real value-adding um, element to my cakes. And I will forever cherish that moment. Um, and every time I go back, I buy him a nice bottle of um have you kept in contact with him has he seen how successful you have become um I don't think he realizes yet because he's not on Instagram but when I go back I will have to tell him that everything is because of him um and I will yeah treat him with a nice bottle of wine or two absolutely (laughs) I think we meet people like that throughout our life and we might only meet three or four people like that but they have such a great influence on us but yes I think we don't tell them enough how much influence they have had and of course. You know, how incredible their time, giving up their time. Yeah, and he was so humble, Nikki. He didn't ask for anything and it was just purely for the share of loving what he did, you know, and and, I, and that's sort of a little bit of where I want to come in now in, in sort of teaching my experience um, to, to my um, online audience and also now face-to-face workshops that I have um sorry yes I am charging for those um, (laughs) yeah let's talk about that (laughs) because I feel that's just such an evolution of your business we know the postal cakes was doing incredibly well in Perth um like you said you were you're doing 15 to 20 cakes a week which is huge you're juggling a family that's growing the kids are needing you know we were just saying off air dropping off to more activities and all the rest of it and then you know um I know we started talking because I launched an online course and I kind of was like, I know someone that would be phenomenal at this that has their own audience that could teach. And I think that's kind of firstly how it come back. I come to you saying, Jenny, you need an online course. (laughs) And your reaction was very, uh, do you remember? Do you remember? Yes. I was like, why would they want to learn from me, Nikki? (laughs) This is Jenny always. I'm like, of course they want to learn from you. And then this doesn't matter where in the world they are. They can learn from you, not just in person. Globally, people will be able to tune in to your techniques, your recipes, your education on it in a global platform. And so the adventure began. <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. That was a really great experience, Nikki, um, to be able to do um, an online, two online courses, actually. Um, I have them now available for everyone who can't be located in Perth. Um, you know, I have followers from all around the world. I have inter- interstate Australia to Brazil, South America to UK. I mean, they're from everywhere when, when I have a look at who, who signs up. Um, it's so humbling to know that they really want to learn um, and I've tried to 
jam packed so much in there because when I was a baker learning off recipe books, there was just not enough information to get it right the first go. And so knowing where, knowing how I've learned, um, you know, I don't have pastry school background, but my, you know, 20 years of baking is making up for that because I know all the ins and outs, the trials and, and errors that I've made in my own time. And I want to impart that also in a domestic kitchen sense. You know, not everyone has turbo fan commercial ovens or, you know, amazing mixers to at their disposal. So I, I know what it feels like to be able to bake something from a recipe um, out of pure sort of bit of luck, a bit of um, precision um, and a lot of love that goes into it because, you know, it doesn't work out the first time. So you've got to keep on doing it again until you can figure out the, the, the errors that you're making without even, re- you know, they're not in your those recipe books or the tips and tricks. So um, those courses were made to make sure that it's almost like a fail-proof experience. Um, and also in my now workshops that I offer face-to-face, I will answer any of the questions that all the home bakers have had. And I answer really from quite elementary basic questions to quite um, to quite technical questions. And everyone has different ex- baking experiences, but I, I want to be able to share it so it actually is a success for you. When you walk away from my class online or in face-to-face, that you will be a lot more confident as a baker and you will know the ins and outs and the tips and tricks to, to get that problem sorted so that's where I my passion now is to make upskill any baker so that they can continue baking for their family you know for the tradition of the parents baking for their kids birthday cakes is just something not I grew up I didn't grow up with that per se because my parents were Korean immigrants and so they didn't eat buttercream cakes Nikki they ate rice cakes (laughs) (laughs) You know, so I did not have that sort of experience growing up, but I just adored the fact that you could make something for somebody else and their whole lives, you know, their whole face lit up because it was such a gift of love. And I think the crux of what I do is stemming from my um, love language, which is acts of service, and that is purely the joy that I see someone else get when I give them one of my cakes is at the end of the day. Um, the biggest gratitude, the gratification I get from what I do. I think passing that on to others as well is a gift as well that you're sharing. And I'm smiling so much because I just remember the day we filmed, we produced your course. <laughs> and <laughs> when you're talking about a home kitchen, Jenny, your oven didn't even shut properly. We oh had my- a stool wedged up against the oven <laughs> to cook the cakes. And I was like, are you kidding? She's like, oh, it's been like this for a while. <laughs> yeah, and, right. <laughs> and then we're having... We've got a video production um, guy with us, Tom. He's filming. He's getting all these different angles of the the hand skills you need to require to do the um, buttercream. And then the next thing, Jenny's lawnmower man rocks up right near the window by the kitchen mowing the lawn. And we're like, are you kidding us? (laughs) And then we got rid of him. And then for some strange reason, there was planes, aeroplanes flying right over your house in the middle of COVID when everything was grounded. So we had all these challenges and I think you even spilt a whole bowl of eggs or milk or something, didn't you? Yep. (laughs) I think you said you've never done that. So it was just a comedy of errors producing these um, online courses. But you know what? That was the reality of what a home baker would do. There is your oven doesn't always shut perfectly. And, you know, there's distractions like dogs and children and, you know, and I think that was just what made it such or what makes these courses so relatable if you haven't taken them. Um, they are so relatable. You walk away with a really comfortable feeling that you too can do it, but you yep. learn about those te- technical aspects of, you know, how you're holding that bag to pipe and you just give so much in those courses online. Yeah. And now to actually have launched them in person as well in Perth as an extension of that as well, I think is just such a valuable thing. And look, they've been incredibly successful. You only launched them about two to three weeks ago. Yeah. Already you're selling out them, which yep. is amazing. Yeah. We'll have to do Jenny on tour, take you to other countries. Oh, yeah, please. I'll be there. <laughs> it would be amazing. And then, you know, you're a mom. You've got three little children. Or, no, they're not little anymore, but three children. How, you know, I know this year for you, you changed a lot of things in your business yeah. to be a lot more flexible with them. Do you want to just explain to us some of the boundaries you've put in place yeah. over the last sort of six months that have now made it a more sustainable, enjoyable way for you to work? 
Yeah, um, I've I've learned this the hard way, Nikki, and I think only when you push yourself to such a boundary, the limits, are you then willing to step back a little bit. And um, I think uh, one time a few years ago was one of those times when um, I basically collapsed. <laughs> I was on my bathroom floor. I had this strange... Um, it's called labyrinthitis where the vertigo is so extreme and it doesn't stop and it was just pure exhaustion. My body was telling me I was just doing too much. Um, and anyway, after that episode, I recovered and touched wood. It hasn't come back again, but that really made me look and think, right, if I'm not well physically, mentally, emotionally, then not, none of this family life is in balance because I'm I was such a critical like fixture of, of how everything worked around this family. Fast forward a few years now, having reached my limit, I stepped back and I put things in place. Things like um, at that point, I didn't even have an assistant, so I and I, I now agree that an assistant was important for me so that I could offload some of the physical work and share that burden with somebody else. Um, and at that time, my business was doing well enough where I could pay for an employee to come and help me casually. So that was a huge, I guess, acceptance that I'm only human. And even though I wanted everything in my control, that's not going to be viable. I mean, you can do it all by yourself, but then you're limiting your capacity as well, very much so. The minute I put someone on, there was a almost like a double and a doubling of my capacity, ability to output, you know, the amount of cakes I could do in a week. So that justified itself very quickly about the cost of having someone um, on board. Um, since then, I haven't looked back. Um, her and um, Jen and I work very close together twice a week where um, we have, you know, shared responsibilities, but it's been a really great realization that there are some costs that you need to impart with in your business to get that balance um, and also increase your capacity the second thing that I did this year which was also a long time coming it didn't happen straight away was my working hours it's pretty hard to do that in an industry like mine where it's events related all the parties are on the weekends but because I know my product my product is really good if you, you know, keep it stored in the fridge correctly, um, they are buttercream cakes, but they are, uh, if, if you store them correctly, they, they last for another week or so. Um, and so I was able to then redefine my work hours to Monday to Friday and all the pickups being before even 3 o'clock, before they all come back from school. So 3 o'clock is my last pickup day for uh, on Fridays for my cakes and they would stay perfectly fine in the fridge. So my clientele now know that I don't do any weekend pickups. And that has been a life, a really value-adding thing that I've done for my personal life, um, for the family. I have, you know, kids in soccer, basketball, dance. It's just nonstop on the weekends, as you would know, um, and soon to be when your youngest one grows up, there'll be three kids to cart around everywhere in Perth. So um, that's been a huge um, mindset shift as well because I was reluctant to let go of, the weekend, you know, Saturday mornings, I think I used to work up to, but I realized, you know, my brand and my product is, is known enough that people will be flexible to come and pick it up. So don't be afraid to define your working hours. I know it's harder to do that when you're just starting out because you want to be flexible to everyone to start off your business and your clientele, but be strict with yourself because if you're not strict on you, everyone's going to ask more of you. So um, I learned that, you know, this year was probably the first year I implemented it. I did, a, I did it gradually. I even started working Sundays initially when I started, but I realised that's not worth it. It's not why I'm doing why I'm, what I'm doing at the moment. My first and foremost um, role is a mother and also then in parallel also a business owner, but that comes equally close. So I, I do need to sacrifice. Um, I didn't want to sacrifice any more of my personal time with my family. Yeah, and I think that's a really interesting thing. I know for me, I worked 
probably double or triple the rate when my kids were really, really little because I yeah. was, you know, breastfeeding them, putting them down to sleep or yeah. you know, they had tummy time, they'd be back down to sleep. They just didn't need me in that same capacity that now they can speak to me yeah. <laughs> and tell me stuff yeah. and I can yeah. do homework with them. Now they need me more. And so that's where I think it's a really good time. I always don't regret that, that I put so much energy and time in that initial startup phase for the first right. When my kids were little, really little, but now that, you know, they're off at school, like your age children, now is when they need me more than ever. So mm. being able to make a call and say, hey, I've got to readjust this work-life balance because right now they're going through a period of needing me. And I'm sure when they get to teenagers, they're like, see your mum, I'm out the door. Don't worry about me. I'll get picked up by a friend. <laughs> so, you know, as our life journey continues, I think our business has to be flexible and adaptable to where we are at and where we're needed at that point in time. So I think, you know, I just really, I knew you'd set boundaries in your business this year. And I know when you first said to me, I'm not going to do cake pickups on the weekends. I was like, well, how's that going to work? But it's worked incredibly well for you. So I'm really proud that you've been able to implement that. And it has done no damage to your business whatsoever. If anything, I, people are a lot more respectful. I totally respect that. And I think that's incredible that you said, hey, that's my boundaries. This is my business and I'll run it how I want. So I think that's just amazing. And so let's finish off with three questions you'd like to ask me about business or marketing. Okay. It's now tables turn to you, Nikki. Um, I I guess these are the questions that I had when I was going through um, my early stages of my business. And I think the first one I want to ask you is how do you know when the key moment is right to expand? And you know, the expansion does not need to mean like a huge capital outlay or or a huge investment in something. It's more, it can be small steps of expansion. Like I've made different expansion decisions in my business, but how do you know when's the right time for a small business like mine? I think it's supply and demand. If you are getting overwhelmed by the amount of people wanting your service or your product, that is the perfect time to expand. I would never do it before you're overwhelmed with clients and uh, need for your product. Mm, okay. Uh, I think I remember um, a point in my business where I my, my, my capacity was limited. So I only had like four fridges and one oven, you know. And so what I ended up doing was re-looking at then my costing or my pricing because that was something else I could manage, but that was a clear indicator, isn't it, when supply is... Absolutely. Uh, demand is bigger than your supply, then something's not in balance. So you need to relook really at your, strategy, your your pricing strategy. Or, or taking off. I know we've talked about it before. Um, you've gone through, because um, we do a lot of sort of work coaching and mentoring together, um, you bringing in other products into your business. And I've kind of said, well, Jenny, they're too small a price point. They're not going to help you expand. They're not yeah. going to, I know you feel that you need to service that clientele, but that clientele is not who I feel you should be servicing. And that's when we've talked about online courses and all that sort of thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, expansion happens in many different ways. But the number one tip is when you are at your absolute capacity and you've got mm-hmm. a wait list, you've got people begging to do your products or your services, then you go, right, I either can just either up my prices and not expand or I can expand by taking on team members and outsourcing elements of my business to help me continue to grow. Yep, perfect. Um, I hope that's helpful for a lot of businesses hearing that. Um, Second question was for, like, small home businesses like mine um, with a limited budget because I know, you know, I've got a little bit of budget now to spend on marketing and things like that. But when I first started out, I was really um, not wanting to spend on, you know, even websites or anything else. With a limited budget, what would be the top three or, you know, a few areas of focus that you can recommend them to expand on? Definitely networking. I think getting out and meeting people, that's how we met. Um, I think that's just such a pivotal thing to help grow your exposure. You never know who you're going to meet and how they influence you and mm-hmm. how they help you grow your business. Um, and obviously then just being consistent and showing up on social media. In Facebook groups, Facebook groups are a huge new way, a strategic way to grow your business. They cost nothing. You're in there, you're answering questions. You're saying, you know, I know in our local Facebook groups, there's always people going, oh, I want a cake maker. If you're starting out, that's exactly where you need to be doing, being, putting your hand up saying, I make cakes, here's my website or here's my Instagram, check it out, let me know if you want to place an order. So there's so many free strategies out there at the moment, but what it does take is consistently showing up because it's not usually once 
someone buys yeah. off you, they need to see you, you know, seven times before they'll buy it from you. So if you consistently show up in networking events and um, in these Facebook groups and on social media, you're going to go a long way organically without ad spend or any um, marketing spend to actually capture people's attention and trust. Okay, awesome. Um, and my last question is, is it okay not to expand? Because <laughs> I've been in this situation a few times where um, I've either had external pressure, not pressure, but lots of questions saying, what are you going to do next, Jenny? And there's a constant expectation of evolving and, and, and doing something bigger than what you're already doing. And, and a lot of the times I'm like, oh, is this not enough? Like for me it was. And, and um, I think I'm, a, I'm quite risk adverse. And, and so I, I, will, I will only do something if, I'm, I've, if I've really convinced myself it's the right thing and I feel comfortable doing it. But is it okay not to expect yeah, I love this question. I think this is such a brilliant question. And I think we were talking about it again off air. You know, I feel you have expanded, but just not how people traditionally expect you to expand. So people traditionally would expect Posh Little Cakes to perhaps expand into a retail space, maybe a high tea place, um, you know, have a commercial premises where you can come and do courses and all that in the traditional sense. But it is 2022 and you have expanded, just not traditionally. So you have you know, thousands of students in your online course, that is replacing your retail and commercial space. You have people coming to your new studio doing hands-on workshops. And we've talked about you evolving into mentoring and scaling those workshops on another level. All that is expansion. It's just not traditionally what people view as expansion. But to be honest, you've probably made a lot more profit doing online courses and workshops in your business model than actually taking a retail store, taking the, you know, the challenges that come with staff, rent, overhead, supplies, stock. And ultimately it would have taken you away from your family a lot more and the risk would have been incredibly higher. So to me, you have expanded. So I would say to those people, I actually have been expanding. I just don't do it in such a public PR front way. I have expanded into online courses and education, um, but I'm fortunate it's flexible, it's online. And, you know, traditional uh, methods of having your retail stores and your commercial hospitality spaces, well, we know that's incredibly challenging at the moment and I don't know what is the right time for people to be going into commercial. And quite often a commercial space is more based on ego. Mm. You know, I sound that say that fondly because I've had three or four commercial spaces now, but a lot of it was because, well, not the hairdressing salon, you can't, you know, I needed to operate that from somewhere from a premises. But, you know, when I had my first agency premises, it was about me making my business look bigger, appearing bigger that I could afford a rent, appearing bigger that I had a team. And it certainly worked from a marketing perspective, but really did I need to do that? No, I could have stayed at home. But I did it from a PR and ego and marketing perspective. Um, so do I regret it? No, but it came with a lot of headaches and I made nowhere near that much money that year I did it because I wasn't ready for it. Yeah. Now, six, seven years on, we've expanded. It's been very calculated. It's very affordable and we needed a premises because I've got more team members. But I think people have a different idea of expansion and also, I think there is a point where we say, you know, enough is enough. I'm like you in my business at the moment. I've got two full-time staff members. I'm very content. I need to be home a lot more. I need to be a lot more flexible. So expanding now is not really on the cards for me. And maybe when my kids are in high school, sure, I'll relook at it again. But right now, I need to be have the flexibility, but also the comfort that my overheads and all the rest of it are not burdening me just because I want to bigger presences because I get told to do that by others. So I think it's sometimes there's a time in your life where you have to be comfortable and content with where you're at because for mental health reasons as well, it's much easier, you know, to build it up to where you're comfortable and stay in that lane rather than stress yourself out, have limited flexibility. And we see people come undone all the time because they think they're meant to expand because others want them to expand, but it, it's just not always the case. And you've got to look at it a lot of external factors apart from the fact that you want to have a bigger, more commercially based business. So I think for you, I think you're in an incredible position right now. I know you're very content and happy and you're beautiful. <laughs> you have, you know, a large list waiting to get in for your cakes. You have the flexibility to be with your children. So I think ultimately you've achieved what you wanted to achieve. Yeah, um, it's a it's a career. My second career is like um, nothing that I would have imagined, you know, when I was 
sort of thinking back 10 years ago. But, yeah, no, thank you to all the mentoring and support because, um, yeah, I needed that. And so, because it's a very solitary type of work as well. I don't have a lot of people to bounce ideas off. And I was so used to that being in my first career. But I realise now that this flexibility um, that I have and the balance that I've brought to myself and my family is priceless. I think a lot of people want to achieve something like this where um, you get to be, you know, be creative, be purposeful, have a family balance and also earn some money. So um, at the moment, yes, you're right. I am content and, but watch this space. because <laughs> does happen all. And I know. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's if I was to give anyone advice starting out, because I know that's a large amount of your um, clientele and the people you interact with are, you know, in these first two to three years of business, is find a mentor, find someone like Jenny and I have bonded. I've been in lots of these situations before. She comes to me when she has something that you're not sure of or whether you've got this idea. And I literally said the other day, no, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> and I just watched your face. I was like, no, it's a terrible idea. That's not going to work. And you were just like, oh, my God. But now I'd say two weeks on, you're like, Nikki, you're exactly right. <laughs> but I just cut you down straight away as soon as you said that idea because I've been working with you for six years. I was like, oh, no, and that's what I need to hear. That's why I love you, Nikki, because um, you're so computer. And, uh, yeah, you know what's going to um, to work out best for me. So thank you. I appreciate it. Welcome. So find a mentor that will be brutally honest with you as well. And I think guide you and um, help you make some of those decisions. You'll progress 10 times faster, but it's also having someone in your pocket that is there with your best interest at heart. So where can people find Jenny from Posh Little Cakes? What's your Instagram handle and your website? So my Instagram is Posh Little Cakes. So pretty much um, all one word. And my ins- my website is www.poshlittlecakes with a S dot com so um check me out online absolutely and if you've enjoyed today's podcast episode please leave us a review or absolutely take a screenshot of this episode post it to your stories we'd love to hear from you what you've thought about this episode and jenny's incredible journey so thank you for joining me thank you nikki i hope you loved today's episode I am so passionate about sharing the stories of other business owners and passing on my knowledge and experience from the last 17 years of business ownership. If you enjoyed the Passion to Profit podcast, it would mean so much to me if you left a review or you shared it to your Insta stories. Don't forget to tag me at Nikki Milne underscore. In the show notes below, you'll find a link to my new step-by-step marketing audit for your business. Together, we're going to audit your current digital assets, identify your weaknesses, and you'll discover the solutions you need to accelerate growth in your business right now. And did I mention that I am letting you have this complimentary for a limited time only? It is valued at $297. So what are you waiting for? Go to nikkimilne.com forward slash business audit or hit the link in the show notes below. I'll see you there.